One of the ways to really drive up profit is to specialize, is to go into a vertical market, is to have a niche, to get known as an expert in X, Y, or Z. In this episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, we speak with Philip Morgan of Philip Morgan Consulting, and that's what he does. He helps people specialize and position their business in a way that allows them to get more profit, to drive the cost to acquire customers down, to become really known as the expert in their field of specialization. Check it out. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Chance and my guest today is Philip Morgan. He is a consultant at Philip Morgan Consulting. But he works with specialization and helping people find niches and helping them position their firms based on those niches and that specialization. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. So, Phil, thanks for joining me. Hey, John. It's great to be here. So a lot of consultants, a lot of businesses today, I think, uh, can benefit from specializing, from becoming known as the person that can help with X. And I think there's a lot of really good reasons to do it, but... I do think there's a lot of confusion about maybe how to do it or why to do it or you know what it's going to mean. So uh, let's break a little bit of that down. So uh, let's let's first I guess get a baseline. Uh, when when you're talking to a company about specializing or positioning, you know, some certain specialization, what are you what are you actually talking to them about? I you know I work primarily with self-employed software developers, so I'm going to pull an example from their world mm-hmm. to to make this super concrete. And hopefully it'll be relevant for enough other folks in your audience. So if you're a self-employed software developer, um, and it's very likely that you got there through some circuitous route, like you had a job for a while and you hated working for the man, so you started working for yourself, or uh, maybe you got booted from your job, (laughs) you know, like a lot of people got laid off in, I don't know, 2006, 2007, 2008. 2008 is when I sort of in, involuntarily, accidentally became unemployed because uh, I got laid off along with a bunch of other people. Anyway, you probably arrive at self-employment through some sort of circuitous route, and you find yourself in this world where you have to um, help clients understand what's valuable about you. So if you're a self-employed software developer, you're going to gravitate towards your technical skills as the way that you tell clients what's special about you. And if you're not a software developer, maybe if you're a designer, you're going to uh, also likely gravitate towards your skills. And you're going to say, well, you know, I do uh, front-end design or I do user experience design. Or if you're a writer, you might say, I write white papers or... I'm a, you know, I'm this kind of writer. Mm-hmm. You're going to focus, What it, the common thread you might notice across all these things is they're all focused on you, not your client, right? Yeah. So, you know, you asked like to, to kind of, for me to kind of break down what specialization is. I would say the first thing that people need to understand about it is you have to specialize in a way that matters to your clients. Mm-hmm. So there's, 
exactly five ways you can do that <laughs> and we can kind of walk through them. But yeah. that's the first like big picture idea that I want to make sure people understand is you will be tempted to specialize in something that's about you, like your skill set, yeah. like uh, I'm a Rails developer or I'm a Java developer. And you'll kind of want to go around and start saying that's how you specialize. Yeah. But that's not really a specialization because, first of all, so many other people are doing the exact same thing. So there's no differentiation uh, or no meaningful differentiation or or to explain what's different. You have to bore people to death <laughs> because you're telling them the intricacies of this approach to Java development versus this other approach. Mm-hmm. So it's it very quickly becomes a not helpful way to think about specializing. If you think about specializing in a skill set. So what's left? Um, it's, it's Java development for dentists. <laughs> maybe, right? <laughs> That's one of five ways to do it is, is to pick a, a target market. Let's right. say that could be a market vertical or that could be an audience. Um, it, it works basically the same way. So, you know, market vertical would be what you said, dentists, mm-hmm. an audience would be female entrepreneurs, for example. Mm-hmm. So an audience is a group of people that have something they share in common, but it's not the type of business they're in. It's something else like, um, one that I've heard about recently is encore entrepreneurs, people who are kind of later in life mm-hmm. and starting a new business later in life. Like that's an, right. that's a fairly well-defined audience. Yeah. Uh, dentists would be, you know, market vertical, manufacturing, retail. Um, those are all market verticals. So that's one way you can specialize is to pick a market vertical. And I know I'm making it sound simple. It's actually terrifying to people to do this. <laughs> um, but you pick a market vertical and you say, my services are for this target audience. And it feels weird to do it. At first, you have all kinds of questions like, well, why would I pick one? Why wouldn't I just serve all of them? And it's, I mean, that's a whole other thing we could talk about. I think the easiest way to think about why you would pick one is it makes it easier for people to refer you. You start to become more memorable rather than, oh, I met this guy at this barbecue this weekend. Uh, He said he's a developer whatever that is, yeah. all of a sudden you start to be, you move out of that category into a different category of, oh, I talked to this guy at this barbecue this weekend. He's a developer who focuses on helping uh, manufacturing companies right. cut cost. Yeah. yeah. And the implication is that <clears throat> he knows our business better or he knows the challenges or the problems or he's seen how to, you know, get a result for a business like ours because ours is so different from everyone else. Exactly. At first, that is that that's that's what you're trying to do by specializing. That's kind of the end goal is that you can actually do that. You can actually produce measurably better results for your ideal client because you you know how their business works. You've worked for other businesses like them. And and that's what you're trying. That's the end point that you're trying to get to by specializing is that you can actually prove that you, you can do a better job for them or, or move the needle for their business more than you can for others because you've specialized in that kind of business. But that's also what makes it scary at first because if you've been a generalist, it's quite common for you to have worked for a lot of different kind of businesses, but you haven't really 
built up a pattern of working for the same kind of business. I, I tell you something that I've discovered in working and in, in really trying to get people to narrow their focus. I'm not necessarily a proponent of you have to niche. You have to have a you know a certain market. But I will tell you that in working with small business owners for a lot of years, one of the things I try to get them to do is rank their clients, their most profitable clients. And uh -huh. I can't tell you how many times they'll go, you know, I didn't really know this, but 50% of our business, our most profitable business comes from this vertical. Um, mm. and, and so they're actually doing it <laughs> already. Yeah. And, and actually to the, you know, they're hanging on to some of that other business to the detriment <laughs> of doing it better. Um, yeah. and, and it really is kind of interesting. I think that scariness is actually, you know, probably just, you know, really a kind of a, a, a myth. You, you know, you identified what would, what would be the ideal point for someone to move away from being a generalist right. and start operating as a specialist is if they could look at their, their previous clients and identify this pattern of, oh, that's where the profit is. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, whatever the, these types of companies, manufacturing companies right. or, right. uh, some other type of company, because the decision is a lot easier if you can see on paper some evidence that this is not going to blow up your business <laughs> to, to narrow down and specialize. So that's the ideal uh, sort of inflection point is when you've got that critical mass of clients and you can see the pattern of, oh, these clients are better and it's always this type of client that's better or yeah. almost always. But it's amazing how often it that's there. And they just don't take the time to look at it or to to, yeah. to analyze it. But a lot of times it just it's happening, you know, for good reason, and and you know they just haven't identified it. Yep. And so you know when I'm working with people, a lot of the the work that I do, I, I take a step back from it. I'm like, this is so simple. We are just going to make a list, <laughs> and we're going to see if there's any patterns in that list. And the list is your previous clients and the profitability and what market vertical they were in or what kind of problem you solve for them. So uh, sometimes I'm almost embarrassed at the, the sort of basicness of what it is that I do. But when people see those patterns, you, you're absolutely right, John, they can, they can say, Oh, I see. Yeah, now the yeah. next step is much more clear. So is it possible to specialize without actually identifying an industry? So in, in other words, I've always felt like I've specialized because I said, here's how I'm going to work. Somebody who wants a system that is a soup to nuts approach with a monthly retainer and that they're going to know what I'm going to do, what they're going to do and what the cost is and that I can work across industries. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to attract a client for whom that is an approach they want. Yeah. Yeah. There's two ways of specializing that don't involve focusing on a particular industry or vertical or even an audience. And one is to focus on solving a problem. So that's that's part of what you just mm -hmm. described is the, the problem that you're solving. And it's not just this one problem. I know that. But to, to sort of simplify what you said, you're focused on solving this problem. And the problem is I need a soup to nut system. I need a, a comprehensive system for doing marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So that's one way to look at how you specialize. And that is a, a, a very viable way of specializing. Um, another example might be, let's say that you're a marketer or a software developer and you focus on companies that are being disrupted by amazon.com mm -hmm. and helping them 
compete more effectively through whatever it is that you do, right? That's, that's another example of what we'd call a horizontal problem. Lots of different types of industries might be suffering disruption at the hands of Amazon, not just retail. Uh, I mean, now they're moving into groceries, <laughs> so that there's yeah. a perfect example. Yeah. So that's that's one way to think about what you're doing. The other is you have packaged your services in a specific way, right? Mm-hmm. And that's another way to specialize is where your focus is on a, a somewhat unique or very specific way of delivering your services so that it meets uh, a certain type of client's needs better than anything else. And so, you know, you're sort of providing some some kind of packaged materials combined with ongoing support or consulting at a fixed cost. That's, I mean, a lot of people can go, marketing is scary. I don't want to have to do all the work of developing this or it's it's this kind of black box and I'm not sure what I need to do. And you, you show up and say, we'll do this, do the following things. Mm-hmm. It's a very well thought out system and you're not on your own. I'm going to be there, you know, via a retainer or whatever for an ongoing uh, support role. So that's another great example of specializing by customizing how you solve the problem. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and it has the, the effect in some cases of sort of making the competition maybe not irrelevant, but at least incomparable because, exactly. you know, and, and so, you know, that component alone, you know, allows you to stand out, I think. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's sort of like, um, I mean, you know, software companies do this a lot. They'll create these feature comparison tables mm-hmm, where right. they've got, you know, columns and rows and their product in the first column and then all the competition in the, the columns to the right and lots of green check marks. on their product and lots of red X's on the competition. And of course those are always a little bit, uh, cherry picked. Sure. (laughs) Um, but they're, they're based on this idea, this principle that you just mentioned, which is if you can be completely unique, then you effectively have no competition and you're effectively a monopoly. And that's such a nice place to be in that, you know, the U S federal government tries to keep people out of that place because it's so nice. (laughs) Would it be your contention that every business should do this or, you know, you're not probably going to say every, but would you say most businesses should be looking for some sort of specialization? Well, um, I would say for services businesses, for sure. I would, I think, you know, you can make the argument that there are product businesses that work better, uh, without specializing. Mm -hmm. In other words, I'm, I'm willing to uh, to s- admit that there's plenty of edge cases where specializing is maybe it's it's something they need, but they don't need it now. They need something else now because you know every business goes through a, a sort of life cycle or an evolution. Sure. Uh, but services businesses, uh, small services businesses in particular, I I've seen very few that could not benefit from specializing, with one big exception, which is if you're brand new. Like if you started freelancing a few months ago or just one or two years ago, if you started working for yourself earlier, John, you mentioned a lot of your clients can look at their client roster and see a pattern. And it once they spot that pattern, it's obvious that's how they should specialize. But if you've just been working for yourself for a year or two, you probably don't have that uh, body of previous experience to draw the pattern from. And in that case, it may be 
beneficial to just spend a couple years kind of learning the ropes of working for yourself and functioning as a generalist. Yeah. yeah I, I actually advise a lot of consultants that I work with because, you know, a lot of people have this, I should, you know, what should my target market be? How mm-hmm. should I narrow it? And, and to some degree, my answer is, well, you just go out there and try some stuff and see, mm-hmm. see what works, see who you like working with, see what kind of engagements work. Or maybe what will happen is you'll work with a certain industry. They'll tell their buddy. And next thing you know, you're like the remodeling contractor, you know, marketing right. guru. Um, but it, it, when you're coaching somebody and they, and they've decided that it's time for them to maybe specialize, uh, what, what are some, what's the, What's kind of the decision making process for how to specialize? Because I don't, I don't think you wake up one day and say, "By golly, we're going to be the specialist in this now." <laughs> yeah, it, uh, on the one hand, I kind of wish people <laughs> went, could have access to that experience because it would be a lot easier. They wouldn't have to spend money hiring me. But it is for a lot of a lot of us. It's a difficult decision. I think the reason why is because it's so personal. If you are more of an entrepreneur, you maybe have a little bit more of a mercenary kind of uh, feeling about your work where you're like, the reason I'm doing this is because it's going to be an amazing business someday. And it's less driven by a feeling of like craftsmanship or really enjoying making things. And, And what I find is that a lot of folks who gravitate more towards services businesses it's very important that they actually literally enjoy their work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk 24-7 to be in business for yourself. But I, I agree it's important to enjoy your work or it needs to be fulfilling. So that's one of the first things I look at with people is where's your interest? Sometimes there are surprises there. People are um, surprised to find that they might be interested in a market vertical like uh, deep sea uh, freight transport, <laughs> for example. Just pulling a recent example from a guy I've been working with. That was an interest to him. He's got no previous experience there, but it's interesting enough that it may be worth it to build up some experience in that vertical so he can specialize there. So we look at the interest. Um, the second thing I like to look at is your credibility. Credibility is not entirely your track record, but that's a large part of it. What kind of work have you done in the past? And is that going to be credible enough to prospective clients that they that that they start to trust you as enough to pay you? Um, so, you know, credibility, your level of interest. And then the third really big factor is, is there going to be demand in the market for what you do? An example might be um, if I love building websites, but I want to specialize in what would be a good example. Um, Actually, dentists might be a good example. I look around and I see dentists and I'm like, wow, they have so many so many crappy dentist websites. Maybe I'll specialize in building awesome, beautiful, custom websites for dentists and I'm going to do it all from scratch. We're not going to use Squarespace. We're not going to use any off-the-shelf WordPress themes. We're going to do it all from scratch. I'm not sure, but I predict you would have a hard time selling those services to that target market because a lot of dentists are like, look, man, uh, my ugly website is good enough. I get most of my work through referrals. I I don't need your $15,000 website package. So that's the third big thing is does the market actually need what you're doing? 
So, Ed, John, that's that's the sort of abbreviated answer to your question. I look at those three things first, your interest, your credibility, and does the market need what it is you're thinking about selling to them in a specialized way? So let's assume we've we've done the soul searching and and we, we you know we're committed on interest. We've done enough work in that industry to to you know credibly put you know the the message out there and there is demand. What's the payoff for somebody that that kind of nails all three of those? So a couple things happen. Um, one of the first things that happens is something that has always been a struggle, which is marketing becomes less of a struggle. Mm. And the reason that it was always a struggle is you're creating the, you're doing it at the highest possible difficulty level. If you don't know exactly who you're trying to reach and exactly what kinds of problems you can solve for them. If you don't know those two things, then no one is going to be a good marketer. <laughs> Steve Jobs would not be a good marketer <laughs> in those circumstances. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Seth, Seth Godin would not be a good marketer in under those conditions. So you take away, you remove that uncertainty about who you're trying to reach and what kinds of problems are you can help them solve in a valuable way. And all of a sudden, it just becomes automatically easier to do anything, whether you're doing inbound marketing and creating content marketing, for example, that becomes easier. Uh, if you're doing outbound marketing and struggling to get people to respond to cold emails, that usually starts working better because all of a sudden you've got this specificity that people resonate with. Yeah. So that's one of the first things that changes. Um, as you develop uh, experience which is truly unique to you and your focus on that market and truly valuable, you can just start charging more because you can uh, prove to clients that you're going to move the needle for their business. Or maybe it's not so much about moving the needle, but you just become so good at what you do that you can do it in half the time. Uh, so maybe you don't change your rates at all, but you just spend half the time doing what you used to do to make five or $10,000. Well, that's a significant increase in profitability. So those are the two biggest things most people might notice. Uh, one thing that's more subtle is you become more confident in talking with prospective clients yeah. or in managing your active clients. You just you come from this place where you're like, A, you want to help them, and B, you know better than they do how to help them. And so you can actually start to lead the project. And the, I mean, clients notice this from the first second they're on a sales call with you. They notice this confidence, and it's like it's like a magnetic force. Well, and, and you didn't put it in um, tangible terms, but you know, for me, um, customer lifetime value uh, increases because if nothing else, uh, margin goes way down right? Um, yep. because you're serving clients and then cost to acquire customer. I think that's, yep. I mean, just the fact of the matter is if you're trying to reach a vertical market, your advertising cost is going to be lower because it's smaller than trying to reach the world. Um, yeah. So uh, there's a lot of things that from a metric standpoint, you know, are, are pretty easy to, uh, to point to. And in the best case, you spend literally nothing finding clients or advertising and they just find you. Sure. Either you know word of mouth referrals or uh, inbound marketing starts to become super effective. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Well, Philip, uh, tell people where they can find you and more about uh, your work. I like to point folks to an email crash course that I've put together 
on the subject of positioning and specializing. It's called uh, positioningcrashcourse.com is the website where you can go sign up for that. That is the best way. Uh, once you're on my email list, I sort of become your best friend and <laughs> um, am happy to answer questions that you might have or what have you. So I would just say go to positioningcrashcourse.com and, 